0: What is up, movie friends? Welcome back to another episode of Letterboxd Recap, where we go through the movies we've been watching this past week, as well as rating the Letterbox Top 4 of 5 of you listeners. I got up to 12 films this past week. Of course you did, Anthony. How, how, how are you doing, man? I have seven logged. That's good. Seven That's great. movies logged during the Christmas weekend and, and break. Did you watch a movie on Christmas Day or not? I watched two, two movies during Christmas. Oh, you and Juno? No, I was, out, I was out. I was at friends' oh, yeah. houses. So uh, I actually watched two movies at one friend's house. And the other friend's house that I went to, we didn't watch anything. We just played games and nice. ate a bunch of food. And well, I hope you had everyone had a lovely holiday. I watched a couple movies with mom. I stayed at her place, and then we watched a couple rom coms. It was very cute. And <laughs> how did, you logged twelve movies on the flights? I watched a couple on the planes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That I watched. Sense. I watched. Uh, I'll get into it. But a sports movie on the plane, and then I watched uh, Tom Cruise movie on the ride back. Of course, you watch a Tom Cruise movie. What else is new? Oh my God, I love him. All right, let's get into our first couple of watches. So the first one on my list for this week was Saltburn, which I gave uh, three and a half stars on Letterboxd. I did not love this film. Um, it was it was okay. It had some good moments, great cinematography from Linus Sandgren. It had some good one liners, some some good moments of comedy from writer director Emerald Fennell. But overall, I found the film to be kind of lacking and not very interesting. As you all know, we're, James and I are massive fans of The Talented Mr. Ripley, and this film was heavily influenced by it, for sure. There's a lot of story beats that I found a little too similar. Um, ultimately, it was a pretty good time, and I, I gave it, I almost gave it three stars, but I gave it three and a half because Emerald Fennel did some really bonkers stuff on it. Gotta give her kudos for like actually doing that. There's a couple things on screen that are really wild, but I found the last 20 minutes to be really kind of like an eye roll, in a way, and... It's essentially, like, kind of ruined the movie for me. The ending. So a lot of people do like the ending. There's a bit of a twist in the near the end. So some people like it. Some people don't. I'm in the latter category. It was a pretty good movie overall, but I would say it's definitely uh, not as good as Promising Young Woman. I still have not seen Saltburn, and I've been hearing lots of mixed things about it. And based off that review, it's pretty, <laughs> pretty low on my watch list right now. I'm sure I'll get to it at some point. But my first watch of the week was i went and saw maestro bradley cooper's second film in theaters Give four and a half stars i found it to be absolutely astounding for a second feature from what we call i'm going to call him now the great bradley cooper oh the my, best so good. the best actor director star right now probably the best triple threat in hollywood him and ben affleck but i think bradley's with this one yeah in terms of triple threat starring and acting and directing in the same movie Because he's such a good actor. (laughs) He's really sensational in this. The makeup and prosthetics are awesome. And I mean, he just transforms into a different person on screen. Carrie Mulligan is sensational in this movie. She's so, so good. And the story is iconic and the music is beautiful. The filmmaking is very creative in the first 15, 20 minutes. And then eventually, you know, it sort of just gets into a, a solid pace. But I found the first 10 minutes to be really exciting. He's doing some really cool things with the camera and storytelling. And it's Bradley Cooper's follow-up to A Star is Born. And this one was hotly anticipated. Uh, a big one for me to, to see in 2023. And I finally got around to seeing it. At Glass art in theaters. It's gorgeous mm-hmm. and beautiful filmmaking. The majority of it's black and white. I'd say about like 40% of it's 30% of it's in color. It covers the time period of Leonard Bernstein's life. But his wife is a main character in the entire story. Just like she was in his life and had a lot of influence on his life and music and the family life and everything so i think Bradley did a terrific job telling this story from a really interesting interesting perspective of both the wife and husband in this marriage and the effects of Leonard Bernstein's decisions in his life his affairs his secret life's life outside of his music and just the pull of him yeah the aura the yeah. rock star That he was. Everybody was just in his orbit. And I thought it had one of the coolest needle drops I've seen all year with R.E.M. (laughs) playing in a car as he parks. And it says, Leonard Leonard Bernstein. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was – I was like, R.E.M., that's so great. So I thought it was just a really, really well-made movie from Bradley. It's it's crazy that it was the second film. And obviously that famous performance – of leonard that bradley you know trained six years for do six minutes of filming it was sensational it blew my hair back it was yeah, awesome he, he conducted the orchestra for real and i'm glad you enjoyed it because it's not getting that much love anywhere it's i don't even think it made the top five on netflix release and it was a netflix movie yeah um but i still i think it's unbelievable movie we're gonna actually gonna do a patreon bonus review i'm looking where there's no camera <laughs> we're gonna do a patreon bonus review so stay tuned for that next week his accent's so good in it yeah he's so really, so good. really amazing he actually used uh, DiCaprio's voice acting coach. Oh no way. It. Yeah. Moving on to one of my yes, least favorite movies. Yes, my name is Leonard <laughs> Bernstein. <laughs> one of my least favorite movies of the year. Now I am we we both are a couple of like the biggest Zack Snyder defenders on the internet. We're up there. I like, wouldn't say we're the biggest Zack Snyder. Okay, defense. no. Not, we enjoy his movies. Yes. We're not like out there fighting people to the okay. Anthony. Yeah, we're not fighting <laughs> fight the we're fight. We're not like the Zack Snyder army. <laughs> we're not that. Okay, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah, so basically what he just said, everyone, that's not true. Okay, we, let me rephrase it. We've always really liked Zack Snyder. There you go. That's yeah. what you, <laughs> it you... I don't think you understand what yeah. it's like on social media for Zack Snyder defenders. Yeah, I, in, I guess In not. his army, it's yeah. it's pretty insane. Blindingly like, like defending we're him. We're not fighting yeah. people on the okay, internet. I we just enjoy his movies. All right. <laughs> and we, but we do think that he gets overhated. However, I watched Rebel Moon. It took me two nights to watch it because... Did you finish the whole thing? I finished it. I couldn't do it in one sitting because after an hour, I was like, I can't do this right now. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> I can't I can't deal with this story anymore. And then the next day, I finished it. I gave it two and a half stars. Ooh, is that one of your worst ratings in the year? Yeah, it's it's, it's up there with um, Renfield and something in sixty five. I gave it two and a half stars. It really is not not good at all. And I know there's all this talk about the director's cut and everything and how this isn't his true version of it. I don't care how many scenes he adds to it. It's not going to improve the film very much because. It's it's not like t- scenes took a, like missing scenes took away. You could tell there's a couple of things that aren't shown that definitely were filmed. But ultimately it's like what's what's already there on screen is just not that good. It's not like his his Justice League where it's like a pretty much a different movie. Completely different. With different movie. scenes. Yeah, it's justified. In a different story. Like this is just He he took out they took out like forty minutes of footage. characters are uninteresting. The dialogue is really I was struggling to get through it and the story is just like kind of like that's it really and the costume design is great production design is solid cgi is okay but ultimately like the world building was not as interesting as i thought and the story goes in directions where it's kind of meandering and the plot is kind of like all over the place doesn't really have much direction and th- there are big action sequences and you're like what was the even the point of this action sequence it doesn't have any bearing on the plot, except it helped it introduced the character. But, like, why do we even see this? There's things going on in this movie that just, like, we're over the top. And then the dialogue is, like, so, so bad. Oh, my God. It's, like, laughably bad. Like, people talking out loud about, like, we need to have more kindness and blah, 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 blah. It's, I was just like, who wrote this? And my review was, did a 12-year-old write this? Because it was that simplistic at times. Did he write it? Yeah, he, he, wrote, he wrote it. He wrote it. He had two other co-writers with him. Uh, but it was just, like, ultimately, like, a waste of everyone's talent. I mean, yeah, there's some really great actors involved in this, but I was just shocked at how uninteresting the story was. It really was just so bland in terms of, like, the actual writing of it. But, yeah, I recommend skipping this one for real. You don't need to watch it. Well, Anthony's been watching the bad movies for me, so I don't have to see them, (laughs) so I think I'll skip Rebel Moon. (laughs) You can watch something better, trust me. um how about we head into our fans oh yeah and then we'll rate their top fours and then we'll get back to our movies next up for our first rating is from brandon ymm vintage who sent us some cool vintage shirts earlier this year go check him out ymm vintage brandon's top four is the thing one of the best all the time absolutely all the time what a great pick grand budapest hotel Another great pick. That's a, a very, very common, common one. very common one. That's, that's up there, there in all times. Lord of the Rings. The Fellowship of the Ring, which is my personal Best favorite. That's yeah. my favorite. And then a movie we actually just did an episode for that comes out very soon. Dazed and Confused, baby. Oh, hell yeah. Glad you got that in the top four. Dropping in January, that one. Wow, this is eclectic. We got The Thing, Wes Anderson, Lord of the Rings, and then a Richard Linklater movie. That's going to be our... First week of January, January third yes. will be our dazed and confused episode. Correct, mundo. It was a, is a good one. Yeah, we were check you up. later. Check you later. <laughs> <laughs> also, I lost my voice the day before and from my illness, and I could barely talk in from that one. From your illness, yeah. I had a terrible illness for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad. Like oh, he's been smoking cigarettes all <laughs> his whole life. For real, it's really bad. All right, next up we have Garrett Howard. A Knight's Tale is a cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> I like that. We should probably cover that. We should do 10 Things I Hate About You. And A Knight's it's Tale. It's fucking massive on Letterbox. Let's do it. Okay. First up, we got... Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Another one. Back to back, Another Jax. one. Then we got... Here's Looking at You, Kid. <laughs> Casablanca. Oh, yeah, baby. Then, one of the Coen Brothers' more underrated films, Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Nice. Incredible movie. Nice. And then... Obviously to no surprise after reading that bio, we have a knight's tale. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. I thought you were honestly I thought you were saying the first movie in the list when you said it originally. Oh no, yeah, this it was just his bio. We need a little specificity. Sorry, I should have said it says in, literally, in Garrett's you, bio it says you, li- you literally named a movie. I could see how that while yeah. you were listing movies off, so I was I think everyone listening assumed that you were talking about the movie. I could see how that was confusing. Yes. I should have been more uh specific. Yeah. But yeah, I love Night's Tale. And I, I just saw The Holiday and Shannon Sossaman's in that too. I didn't know she was in that. All right, for recent watches, Garrett has Knock of the Cabin, Cool Hand Luke, four and a half stars. Hell yeah. Knock, Knock, which I haven't seen. And then, *Inglorious Bastards, good list. Let's go. All right, next up we have. I think we're getting into October-ish or the fall time for. Yeah, the no lists. more Barbie. Yeah, <laughs> no heard Barbie in a while. All right, next up we have John of Graz. John, John, our guy. Now he has La Ein. La N, La N. La N. Amazing. There'll be blood. Amazing. A couple of our favorite movies right there. This is why we get along. Interstellar. Oh yeah. Then that's the juice, man. The Revenant, what a list! The X, Revenant yeah. is your number one. I like that pick. X, no, no, the last one I read is not number, the first one. The Revenant, the first is one's your, always the first is your one, number one movie. <laughs> you That's still so get cool. that? You get confused about that. Well, you're a confusing <laughs> guy. You don't. You're not very specific when you do things. I read left to right. I never said that you don't <laughs> read left to right. But it's not a matter of reading left to right. It's a matter of lists. Lists are generally either you say, I'm going first to last, or last to first. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that being confusing. All right. (laughs) 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 The second time in a row. Oh, yeah. Actually, I can see why that's confusing. Recently, John's watched Legends of the Fall, American Psycho, Leon the Professional, and La'an. (laughs) La'an. (laughs) La'an. Oh, my God. All right. Next up, we have Nasser, all the way from Texas. 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 <laughs> I always do finger guns and a gun noise when I say Texas. Texas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got the Batman. Amazing. Then I like this one a lot. Rush hour. Hell yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> rush hour is great. What's crazy about <laughs> rush hours. When you see it now on TV or network, it says in front of the movie, it says L- this the language in this film was made and written at a time when it was not as offensive Not as, as offensive, now. or something like that. Like yeah. pre- It's like a warning for the offensive language. Man. It's so funny, though. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's still funny. I still laugh. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. Lee! <laughs> All right, then we got Goodwill Hunting. Amazing. What a turn there. What a turn there. I, I love like that. it. I respect Rush it. Rush hour to Goodwill Hunting. And then, to a very recent film, we got Uncut Gems. Hell yeah. From feel the like Shafties. I feel like I'm getting the style. No. I, I I wonder if they'll ever make a movie together again. I bet they will. Maybe we'll see. I hope so. I'm sure they will. Yeah, maybe they will. They're we'll still see. young, man. Yeah, they're still young. And then recently, really like 38, not even. No, they're probably mid 30s. Yeah, probably 35 at the most. They're super young. So we got recently what recent watches Top Gun Maverick. Oh yeah, A Bronx Tale. Love it. Which is the Bronx Tale is gathering a pretty cultish. Following the last year or so, a lot of people have been watching it on Letterboxd. I like that. I've been noticing that, so I'm happy about that. Bobby D. The, then Office Space. <laughs> Four stars. Fucking great movie. And then Rush Hour, five stars. Another Rush Hour. <laughs> that was just his rewatch. Oh, was his rewatch, yeah. I was going to say. That's what you watched recently. I love that he gave Rush Hour five stars. Yeah. That makes me happy. We, Oh my God, we love that movie. And Shanghai Noon. I just love Jackie. Yeah, Shanghai Noon was awesome too. Man. He's the, he was the fucking top dog for like 10 years in America. At least, man. At least. All right. Our final letterbox Top 4 entrant for today is Marcus. <laughs> Marcus has Gosling from The Nice Guys. as a profile photo with like a cigarette in his mouth. I love it. That's great. All right. Marcus has Transformers, the first one. It's the best one. I've only seen that in the second one. In my opinion, the OG. Then we have Across the Spider-Verse. Rocky, Rocky. Hey, oh, Adrian. Adrian. we got what's the problem? You don't like me? Did you give me everything you had? <laughs> <laughs> then we have Knives Out. Love it. Great murder what a mystery. Great pick. And then Marcus recently did a Pirates marathon and a Back to the Future marathon. Nice. All right. We love to see good movies being watched. Except, yeah, the On Stranger Tides. One and a half stars. I can I concur with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst one. <laughs> oh my god they really nosedived do we I mean I love pirates but they'll never be able to do the um, original again oh no fucking way it's such a perfect movie the way this I mean that's the studio movies these days man they'll never be able to capture that that movie is so fucking perfect it's just a classic adventure film we'll never get a classic adventure film again man uncharted could have been that could have uncharted could have done it sony dropped the ball i think big time even though they have a sequel supposedly in development but i think they really dropped the ball hey maybe they'll learn from what they did the first film and adjust what you mean don't make it lame <laughs> i could have written we could have written that script man It would have been oh awesome how do you not just make india jones but oh, god damn it <laughs> It's a two point six on Letterbox. Doesn't get oh his holsters g- so the oh end of the God. movie. the end of the movie, he gets his holsters. Two point six on Letterbox. Jesus, guys, how do you mess it up? You have like four video games of great storytelling to pull from. Goodness, two point six. I love Tommy. He's just too young. Yeah, it's too too young for Nathan. Yeah, too bad. I'm still upset about it, but <laughs> clearly, <laughs> it was funny. It was a funny movie. I'll give you that. But I don't go to see. I'm not going to see Uncharted to see for jokes. You know. Yeah, Yeah. I want some adventure. I didn't feel the adventure. Too bad. All right, let's get into the rest of the movies we watched this past week, Anthony, since you have 10 more. 10 left. more, yeah. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you lead us off then, pal? So, my next film watch was It's a Wonderful Life, which I watched on my plane to Boston. And uh. I gave it five stars. And I wrote, This had me sobbing tears of joy for 10 minutes between two strangers on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> I was crying, I was sniffling. I was like, "Oh my god! Oh my! I can't! It's so good." You had a middle seat. Middle seat. That sucks. Yeah, both flights. It sucked. I hate middle seat. Oh my god! This movie is so perfect. It's an all timer It's one of the. It's a perfect Christmas movie. You gotta watch it every year on the holiday season. Jimmy Stewart's great. Um, Frank Capra. It's his best movie. And my god, it's so so delightful, so emotional um so just well done and perfectly written perfectly acted I, this movie is just oh, oh my god it's amazing and i weep every time and it really it's one of those movies that they it does make you like think about life in a different way and very few movies actually like do that as profoundly as this movie does and it's oh my god it's amazing it's amazing five stars sure is 10 out of 10 a thousand out of 10 if it makes Anthony weep in the middle seat of a plane oh my God. you know it's a good one i was like the the stewardess gave me uh, my a coffee and napkin. I just blew my nose with the napkin. She's like, "You okay, sir?" <laughs> for real, I was hiding my tears. I was like, "I'm fine." Can I have a coffee, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was bad timing. It was the movie ended. And I was just sobbing, and she came for drinks. I was like, "Fuck!" She's like, "Pussy." <laughs> <laughs> Get a little of the pussy at 25B. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was 23B. It's close. Pretty close. <laughs> not bad. Well you're poor, so you obviously sit in the back of the plane. Yeah, true. In middle seats, B. <laughs> and then I also e. watched on my flight to Boston one of the like one of the best sports movies, Miracle. The hockey movie. I'm not even Miracle. A, I'm not even a hockey fan. Miracle. Miracle. But my God, this movie's awesome. I gave it four stars. Great underrated Disney movie. Gavin O'Connor, who did um the Warrior with Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton, and the accountant, very good director. But this is his best movie, and it's so emotional. I'm not even a hockey fan, but and I was like, "I will f- play hockey. I will play hockey after watching this. It's pretty epic. I haven't seen it in years, but I know it's so good. It's really well done, and the the sports sequences are great because I I'm I got to look into this, but it looks like they hired a lot of really good hockey players who could act as well because the acting's kind of stiff for most of the players, but their skating is legit. And the the footage is like really they're really skating and they're they're for real like going fast they're hitting so all the actors must have been very good hockey players who were hired because of that and it was probably like the best actors who could play hockey that well Mm -hmm. and then Kurt Russell is a perfect sports coach in this movie he's just amazing I love it well speaking of sports movies I watched one next nice a movie that I deeply regret not seeing in theaters in 2023 a race car movie yes a video game movie. Gran Turismo, four stars. My review is, holy shit, my heart is still racing. (laughs) What an exhilarating ride. Okay, I'll stop the puns. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking loved it. (laughs) Got him. That's good. I freaking love this movie. It was so fun. We played Gran Turismo on PS1 and PS2 when we were kids, man. We we, we loved uh, Gran Turismo. And we had friends who had the pedal and steering wheel combo. Yeah, it was awesome. And... I am pretty familiar with how intense and how de- developed sim racing has become. Mm-hmm. My old boss used to have a sim racing kit at work, and we used to race on it. It was really cool. No way, but it's, it's pretty intense in how sophisticated it is. And in terms of video game movies, this is sort of it's a hybrid of a video game movie, but it's based on a true story. So I wouldn't exactly put it exactly as a video game adaptation, even though in a lot of ways yeah, it is, and yeah. they do infuse a lot of video game elements to the filmmaking, which I thought was really great. And it was so fun. Within within a minute of this movie, I was like, let's go. I'm ready to go. Because it's a really clever way to open the film. It's really fun. And they're just getting you ready. And Blum mm-hmm. such a great director. And I thought it was so goddamn fun. I'm so glad you finally saw it. And it had so much heart. Yeah. Jaman uh, Hanzu, he made me cry, man. He was weeping like a motherfucker in this movie. <laughs> Holy shit. He He's was so good. Waterworks. like Out of nowhere, I did not see that coming, man. He was so powerful in this film. The guy who plays Jan, he was in Saltburn, and he's really terrific in this movie as the lead, based on a true story of a sim racer who wins a contest, goes to the GT Academy with Nissan, with several other sim racers, and he wins the, the, the Academy to go race for real in a circuit, and gets a license, and the story is insane because not just that, but the way that sim racing changed racing forever because a lot of the sim racers became champions later, like years, multiple years to come yeah. because they had such a huge advantage over uh race car drivers that just started out just racing on on the tracks and everything like just because they, cause they could do so many runs of a course yeah because they had the, they knew the best routes and the new because yeah. the courses with gran turismo and the developer he painstakingly put so much detail and meticulous detail into every course every car mm-hmm. everything so that, to make it feel as real as possible you know, it it's his dream to make sim racing as authentic and real as possible to regular racing. Hence the day, contest. Yeah, so the contest was a crazy cool idea. Obviously, there was tragedy involved, and it was obviously because racing is dangerous as hell. But the movie is so good. My heart was racing twice in this film for like 10 minutes straight. It was just pump. I was jacked up, man. And I was so invested in the story. Even though some of the dialogue between the, the young people, the teens, or the young adults can be a little cringe here and there. A little melodramatic, Soap-opery, yeah. but the family stuff was excellent. In general, though, I think David Harbour carried the fuck out of this movie. He's Even though he's such a dick in the movie, he's so likable at the same yeah. time. Bloom, too. Orlando Bloom was great. Hey, Orlando Bloom was really terrific in this movie. But overall, man, I, I, I didn't expect it to be this good, and I know you told me that. You have to watch the movie. It's epic. I, I didn't think it was going to be this good before you told me how good it was. Dude, and yeah it's, I, I don't understand. The re- I, don't, I don't get the reaction to this movie where people are saying <clears> that it's not that good. And yeah. I'm like, what? what? Did we watch the same movie? Because rem- after I saw the film, I made a tweet that night saying it was amazing and excellent. And I remember on Twitter, this was like six months ago when the movie came out in theaters. On Twitter, a bunch of people were like, really? This is a lie. No way. And then I made another tweet the other day saying it was the most underrated film of 2023. And a bunch of people were like acting like I was crazy. I mean, that's a fine take. Yeah, I'd have to deceive that if I agree with that. It's up there for sure for underrated movies. But I don't. I guess I don't. I don't know what people want. They're never happy. <laughs> I know. they people just aren't happy with great movies I, anymore. I feel like some people they're like they're only gonna go with what the tide goes with. On social I media guess. of like, oh, if people are saying this is hot, then I get to say it's it hot. It performed really well overseas. I'm glad. It was 70 mil overseas. That's great. Domestically, That's it was about $44 wow. million dollar box office. So yeah. it was a pretty successful movie, but mostly international. So I, I don't know if what it was with North America. This didn't really just click with the audiences, but I thought it was freaking awesome, man. I'm not sure that people are very interested in sports films anymore. It seems like it. seems like Because they don't really perform that well anymore. Ford versus Ferrari was pretty solid. Yeah, I guess. For box office. Yeah, it's a great it movie. I think it did well. But, man, I, I really enjoyed Gran Turismo, and I thought that Neil did a great job with the directing, not just awesome, not just great photography of cars and driving, but also infusing video game aspects to the mm-hmm. driving and kind of just going across, cutting between gaming and, and real driving. It was really cool. He made that connection really seamless yeah. to understand what's going on through the head of like this kid who knows the game so well, and now he's put into the real world. I think they did a great job visualizing There was it. a lot of fan service yeah. in a really great way. But it wasn't like, even for me, who, was, who I'm a casual fan, I haven't played the game in a long time. Even I noticed some stuff, and, I, and and even stuff I didn't really understand, I was like, that's definitely fan service. And if I was a fan, like I could tell that that's for people who play the game. But it didn't bother me. I was like, that's great that they put these little things in there. I was surprised how strong the emotional connection was in this film. Yeah. How how he just grabbed you as an audience. And member. Archie Matic Matti- Matti- he's the lead, he was really sensational. And he made he made it all work. Ultimately. Insane true story. Yeah. Awesome adaptation. All right, moving. On. I'm so glad you liked it. Moving on to a movie I watched with mom. She she watched it last week and she's like, we gotta watch this movie on Christmas Eve. <laughs> so I was like, sure, whatever you want. The the Christmas one? Yeah, just so tell me about it. Feast of the Seven Fishes, which is a fun like Italian uh Christmas about the seven fishes within a family in Philly in the 1980s I think it's 1982 was the year. And mom loves it because she was like the same age as them when this movie came like the where this movie set um and also she like that was like her time when she was a teenager the culture the music the the wardrobe and also like the seven fishes. It's it's Italian. Cu- it's a cute movie. It's a cute Italian movie. There's a bunch of like Italian actors that we've seen in movies in in The Sopranos. There's a couple of Sopranos actors in it. Um, Joe Pescaliano's in it. It's crazy. Uh, Schultz is in it. Schultzy? No way. Andrew Schultz is in it. <laughs> he does a pretty good job acting. He isn't really. He he plays like kind of an asshole, but he, he's good in it. The movie is very cute, and the food was food looked great. Um, it was a little melodramatic, and I think it, they could have done a little bit better if there was more. Ultimately, the movie is about the the meal, the seven fishes, and what goes into it, but. Uh, A good amount of the runtime is actually reserved to, like, a couple of teens and their drama together. And I was like, it would have worked better if we just stuck with the family. You know what I mean? Uh, But – and so the teen stuff kind of pulled it back. But when we're in the family house with all the aunts and cousins and everything, the movie really flourishes. And um, you could tell it was heavily influenced by, you know, David O. Russell's work um, from the way it's written in the cinematography. It's a fun movie. I had a good time. I I only gave it – I gave it three stars just because – the teen melodrama really h- held it back a little bit, but it is a good time and there's some really good comedy uh, and the food looks great. And ultimately the cast is a lot of fun. All right, going to have to add to the watch Feast list of the seven fishes for next Christmas it came out three years sure. ago. It's pretty recent. You might as well do another one. because can see it since you still have more. Sure. I yeah, Sure. Sure. So I watched the holiday, which I wrote is utterly delightful with four stars. I had not seen this in years. Nancy Myers made this. She's, Always been a very reliable director. She she made a something's got to give, which I love uh, with Jack and Diane Keaton. I love that movie. Uh, but The Holiday is fantastic. It's really funny. It's really sweet and endearing. Uh, Kate Winslet is so charming. Cameron Diaz, you know, I I feel like Cameron Diaz was never really appreciated for her co- comedic acting. Maybe she's so funny in this as a like very strong comedic presence with the physical comedy uh, with her expressions with how she performs. Like she's like up there with like all time comedic actors. I think she's really sensational. And then you look back on her career with uh, the, the movie she did in the 2000s. It's like, Oh my, it's, it's so obvious. She's like definitely one of the best comedic actors of the 2000s without a doubt, but she's great. And then Jack Black's awesome. And then Jude Law always just like old reliable, uh, super handsome and charming. Like always the face, (laughs) the face, but the movie's really sweet. It's actually very funny. And I love the characters. It's an L.A. movie, and it's an England movie. It's a great Christmas movie. Um, also, Eli Wallach is great in it. He's He plays the Ugly in the Good Bad and the Ugly, most famous for that role. And you see him in a ton of stuff. But I love The Holiday. It's a really, really fun rom-com. Definitely one of my favorites for the rom-com genre. All right, my turn, right? Yes, sir. I have an all-timer, five-star oh. classic masterpiece from the legend Francis Ford Coppola. Apocalypse Now, nice. next. I didn't write a review. I just logged it. Because we're doing an episode in January on this brilliant war film. And <coughs> it's such an iconic film, not just because of how good it is, but obviously the story behind it and how difficult it was to make and the turmoil that Coppola went through. In our episode, we're going to talk about this all the crazy stories involved. You know, the the, the tsunami that... I mean, the... the Typhoon. The typhoon that hit the Philippines where they were filming. Destroyed the sets. Brando's craziness. craziness <laughs> Martin Sheen. The alcoholism. The drug abuse on set. Everything. It's insane. This this movie that took three years. Four, no, it took five years really to finish. From developing in 1974 to <laughs> releasing in 1979. My God. Absolutely insane. But the movie is sensational. It's a masterpiece from Francis Ford Coppola who's, who made probably... Three of the best American movies of all time, you could argue, up there, like yeah. top twenty five, easy crazy. with Godfather One Two and Apocalypse Now. Plus you could even throw the conversation in there if you want. The conversation is good. It's amazing. He was the biggest director alive in the nineteen seventies and it's insane how he pulled off this movie. And it's so well made and crafted and and the awe of the filmmaking still blows my hair back every time I watch it. The scale is massive, the just the artillery involved, the helicopters. The music choices, the editing, everything about it is perfect. It's a perfect movie, and I freaking love it, man. I watched it and I was like, I need to see this in theaters. I, H- wish, I yeah. haven't seen it in theaters, so I, we got to keep an eye out for when it, if it ever plays in theaters. It's. I wrote uh, five stars. With one, of my review is one of a kind masterpiece. Just for all the stuff you said, we just recorded the episode and it's fantastic. I really enjoyed it. And you did a great job, man. You came up with this really crazy timeline of events. Within the production, that were just mind blowing to hear. So, I'm really excited for everybody to listen to that one. It's one of our better episodes. And to start out, it's a great way to start out the new year. Yeah, it'll be mid mid January. That episode will drop. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. All right, next up, I watched another rom com with mom. Four Christmases. <laughs> I watched like uh, 20 minutes of Four Christmases. It's funny. It's so pretty funny. I, yeah. I gave it three and a half stars. And I wrote, What it was a nice holiday rom com to watch with my mom? Pretty fucking funny. Uh, Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon work really well together. Uh, this movie is a 2.6 on Letterboxd. Yeah, it's better than Not that. that guys. Everybody needs to relax. For a Christmas holiday. <laughs> it's movie, a Christmas it's solid. it's solid. Yeah, it's got a great. Ca- the cast is unbelievable. So you got Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon, Robert Duvall, Sissy Spacek, Mary Steenberg, John Voigt, Kristen Chenoweth, John Favreau, Tim McGraw's in it. I mean, this the cast is amazing, and um, it's about. This couple—they always skip Christmas and they go on vacation because their families are crazy. But then, due to flight delays, they have to spend Christmas with all their families. But they're divorced, so they do four stops at each household, and every house is very different. Every member of every member of the family is a very colorful, wild, eccentric person, and their little world is just as crazy as they are. And I really, I really enjoyed the film. It's just like one of those, just like let's chill. We had a lot of food and a lot of wine tonight. Uh, we we watched this on Christmas night, and we just sat back on the couch and watched this, and it was really funny. There's some <laughs> raunchy humor. It's 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 good. They have great chemistry. Yeah, they do. And I mean, I, I think it's pretty funny. Yeah, I had a good time. I watched two Christmas movie, two movies on Christmas oh, yeah? at, at my first friend's house. We actually watched Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and Harry Fuck Potter yeah. and the Chamber of Secrets. However, <laughs> we watched them in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> no way. And um, my friend, he speaks Spanish. Was it dubbed? Yeah, it was dubbed with, with subtitles. <laughs> but I know the movie's literally by heart yeah. that I understood everything that was being said. Yeah. Even though it's not super complicated Spanish for the most part, Yeah. or I mean, complicated yeah. English for that, for yeah. that either way. But um, either way, it was actually a really fun experience watching it in a different language. I bet, yeah. Because I was just looking at it differently. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know, it was like watching it for the first time almost. And also the cultural differences of how people speak in inflections and stuff. Yeah, the way they say specific words or even just names Mm -hmm. and the the different magical terms. It's it's really (laughs) funny. And I I really enjoyed it watching them in Spanish. And it it was a blast And. (laughs) We were just like so transfixed by it. We were just waiting for the food to cook. We're all just like chilling, drinking. Who is your favorite uh, voiceover actor for, for character wise? In for Spanish, characters in Spanish, Hagrid. Hagrid. The Hagrid actor. Yeah, was great. yeah, it was really funny. <laughs> 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 now I want to listen to the Voldemort actors dubbed. I I didn't watch. Well, I, know, I yeah. guess the Sorcerer's Stone it was a different actor, mm-hmm. but that's great. It's yeah, yeah pretty interesting. I had a good time. <laughs> this sounds lovely. It was lovely. Yeah, obviously five stars on both. <laughs> of course. Of it's course. funny because I watched Chamber Secrets and Prisoner of Azkaban <laughs> two weeks ago. A, a week, yeah, two yeah. weekends ago. <laughs> I mean, it's never a bad time to watch Harry Potter. never is. All right, next up, the Tom Cruise movie I watched on the flight home to L.A., JetBlue thankfully had Mission Impossible Dr- Dead Reckoning Part 1. Nice. Which I gave four and a half stars again on my rewatch. This is my second time watching it. And it's still, it's as good as, I, it was great. I actually, I liked it so much the second viewing, I could put it on my top 10 list of movies this year. I think they set the bar so high with Fallout that people were maybe a little disappointed with Dead Reckoning Part 1. Yeah. I mean, it was well-received. Well it was a 3.8 on Letterboxd and a 7.8 on IMDb. Um, but I think it's really f- fucking awesome. I gave it 4.5 stars again, and I wrote perfect for a long plane ride. I really, like, on the second viewing, it solidified my, say. I think it's the third best Mission Impossible movie. Fallout, then MI1, and then this for top three. And it's it's just really a sensational film. The stunts are great. The characters are awesome. Haley Atwell fucking steals the movie. On a second watch, I was like, she's the fuck. She's a star. And then the Rome... She's the what? She's she's a star. No, no. <laughs> she, she's really attractive. She's, she, she's very pretty. <laughs> and then the Rome car chase is fucking awesome. It's so good. And, oh, my God, the train compartments. Even on the plane... I was like, Oh my god, another one, another one. But the dive, the mountain jump off with the motorcycle, even on the tiny screen on the headrest, with my shitty headphones and airplane quality sound, my heart my stomach dropped when he jumped off the cliff. It was it's such a great stunt. And I mean, if you if you haven't seen it or if you maybe weren't sure about it the first time, maybe give it a second watch. You'll you might like it more. And I, I really adored it I adore it. I love that movie too. It's so good. It's very funny. Yeah. It's a great, great film. Mm -hmm. It is. Now, it's in my top 10 now. I I put it on my list. Of the year? Of the year. I think it's in my top 10, too. Yeah. And then, the next movie I watched was one we watched on Discord with the boys. And a couple of the girls. A couple of girls. a couple couple of of girls girls were there. Sorry, Liv. I watched this, too. The Holdovers. Four and a half stars. And I wrote even better the second time. This is... One of the best films of the year. I have it as my third favorite film of twenty twenty three. A Perfect screenplay, excellent directing, amazing performances from the lead cast, excellent score. And this movie, every the both times I've seen this film, I just it, it reminds me of Dead Poets Society. Yeah, I agree. and it feels like a spiritual cousin to Dead Poets. And I've never seen a movie that made me feel like Dead Poets Society did. Peter Weir's film. And this movie is hilarious. It's emotional. It's dramatic, it's relatable, it's a lot of fun, and man, I, I love the characters of this movie. The three leads, they're all so dynamic together, and the, the chemistry amongst the trio is really fantastic. It's so funny. Yeah. It's so well-written, so well-directed. It's just an instant classic, I think, and mm-hmm. it's going to be a all-timer for Christmas movies. I agree. It has to be. It's, it's really that good. It's sensational film. I'm really glad that Payne made this movie. We it's needed a, a movie like this. It's like a classic movie that we don't get anymore. Yeah. The style, the filmmaking, everything about it. Mm-hmm. I miss these kinds of movies. That's what we grew up on, man. And it's in fucking Massachusetts, guy. Yeah, kid. The accents are great. <laughs> and the Chateau's in it. Chateau. The exterior of the Chateau in Waltham, our hometown, is in it. <laughs> All right, my final watch of the week was one we just left the theater of. Ferrari. Fucking awesome movie. So I saw two great driving movies in the last six days. <laughs> And I was, blown oh my away. God, yeah. I was blown away by Ferrari. Obviously, I knew Michael Mann was going to pull out a banger. But this movie's had such mixed reactions since the early uh, screenings were coming out. It, was, like it played at ago. a festival, yeah. And people were like, ah, oh, it's pretty good. I'm like, come on, it's Michael Mann. Put some respect on this man's name. He's a fucking legend. I thought it was so well made. It was so Italian, too. Even though Penelope Cruz is an Italian, Adam Driver's not Italian that I know of. And, He's not Italian at all. But he does. He plays a good Italian. But in terms of it being, it feels like an Italian movie, you know, all all on location, all shot in Italy. It looks awesome. And the the cinematography is great. The driving sequences are awesome. But I think it was a a really smart idea to focus a lot of the film on, on Enzo and his relationships with his wife as well as his mistress and his other son. I learned a lot about Enzo Ferrari in this movie, about his past, about his life, and things I didn't know at all. I thought was really fascinating, is as well as not focusing too much on things like Ford versus Ferrari did in terms of Ford and Fiat. Mm-hmm. Because I think they probably saw Ford versus Ferrari, like, we can't do too much about Ford and Fiat. It's in there, but it's not too much. Like, that's a huge plot point for Ford versus Ferrari. But this was obviously focused on different races as well. And that was the strength of the film. What did you give her a rating? I gave it four stars. I also gave it four stars. And it's funny It's. I'm glad you mentioned the relationship the portrayals of the relationships because it it reminded me of Maestro yeah where you walk in you you expect it to be like a, what's always generally done with biopics which is like the hits of the character of that person the greatest accomplishments as like kind of like a super cut timeline but both films actually kind of stray away from that and care more about the man and his personal life more than just as much as the accomplishments you know what i mean which is true i mean Ferrari's not just his greatest moments but also the darkest moments in behind closed doors and the same thing with leonard bernstein so i actually felt both films were actually quite similar in how they portrayed their their characters um and i wrote my command still got it A fascinating examination of the most legendary name in cars and the complexities of his life. Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz are fantastic together, and the driving sequences are incredible. Adam Driver's Italian accent is vastly improved from House of Gucci. I will say um, I couldn't give this higher than four stars because uh, the the rest of the cast, their accents just were... Half American, half Italian. Shailene Woodley, she's a great actress, but she did not pull off the Italian accent. At all. I think that... Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes it sounded like I thought she was speaking... I thought she was an American in the same. movie. I thought she was American in the first scene, and then I was like, oh, is she Italian? Uh, I guess... She, uh, okay. So, some of the accents were just pretty... Dempsey's was the same. Dempsey's accent was so light. So, some of the acting was just not quite there. Um, but ultimately, the film was like very exciting. And the Ferrari has one of... The most shocking moments I've ever seen in a movie in my life. Yeah, I was, I like almost jumped out of my seat. I put my hands on my mouth. I was so, I was just so shocked. I was was frozen like a statue. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I just was like, oh, I can't believe that just happened. And the whole theater, you could hear everybody gasped. It was like that, that shocking of a moment. And it was incredible. The whole movie, driving sequences were awesome. It was lit. Penelope Cruz was terrific. She's great. As she always is. Man. And I can, her accent's great because Spanish and Italian accents, they sound the same to the Americans. Pretty similar. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, she's also a great actress. Yeah, she's yeah. an all timer, man. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, she's great. Okay. My final film of this week was. Have you watched something since Ferrari? I watched something. Well, oh, no, yeah. Well, I brought Because you brought it up. I watched something last night called Smoking Causes Coughing. Do you remember? Did you remember the trailer for it this year? Look at this yeah, week? yeah. I remember the trailer. So. This is from the director, Quentin Dupuy, who made Rubber, which was a movie about a killer car tire like 10 years ago. I'm not sure if you saw that. I remember seeing that. Yeah. So he's just like a very absurdist, crazy, weird writer director um, with just like a very specific kind of niche humor. And Smoking Causes Coughing is just as absurd as any of his other work. It's crazy. It's it's hilarious. So I gave it four stars. And I wrote brilliantly absurd and absolutely ridiculous. Not surprised that the director who made a movie about a killer tire made this. Had me cackling throughout. So it's a it's a spoof of like Power Rangers, and I guess France had similar TV shows as Power Rangers for kids, and just like a spoof of that. And so it's a Is about, it a French film? It's a French film, yeah. So it's about this team called uh, the Tobacco Force, <laughs> and they fight mo- they fight rubber monsters, but it's like real. <laughs> but the the monsters are like rubber suits. They did it as cheesy as possible on purpose. And each one of them, they're they're a different uh, poisonous chemical in cigarettes. So one of them's name's nicotine. One of them is nit mercury. <laughs> one of them is uh, what's it called? Uh, methanol. <laughs> and Another one's ammonia. <laughs> and what they do is they they can like shoot lasers out of their hands, and they they can also form the gas of whatever, whatever compound their name is. And they all shoot the gas at villains to make them get cancer and explode. Oh my god! <laughs> but the movie, it's wild. It's the, and they have a chief, they have a boss, and it's this like rat guy, and it's just a puppet. It's a ridiculous looking puppet, um, and he's constantly drooling green drool. <laughs> but what's so funny is they play it straight. Like the guy, the the voiceover actor of the of the the rat chief, he just talks like a normal guy, and he's like very professional. <laughs> and that uh, that the way it's performed makes it work i know it sounds ridiculous but it works in the seeds and he's just constantly got he's so gross looking he's constantly drooling green drool but it just works and he's like the leader of the group <laughs> and it's so funny um it's just a wild ride it's very specific humor very specific um but i think everybody i think uh, people should give it a shot if they want to try something new for like comedy cuz man this movie had me laughing out loud it's really really funny but it's so strange and it's like awful it's awful at the same time but it's purposely made to be awful you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and it totally it works it's like a tightrope balancing act that he pulls off and it's just I, I loved it i really adored it i'm looking at photos it looks absurd it's dude you gotta watch it it's absolutely fucking absurd. crazy there's i've never seen anything like it before I'm gonna have to add it to my watch list. Yeah, it's fucking wild. Looks pretty great. <laughs> the, the costumes, but also the yeah, puppet guy. Dude, yeah, the chief. <laughs> he's like a he's like a squirrel rat. Yeah. He's constantly drooling. <laughs> and he's a womanizer too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I was dying. I right, was dying. I'm gonna have to check that out. Well, that wraps Letterboxd recap for us, and we appreciate y'all tuning in so much. For recent episodes, we did, obviously, our Christmas ones, we did a Christmas movie draft on Monday. You owe me 20 bucks, I won. I do. On Wednesday, we did... What did we do? Best Indie Films of 2023. That's correct, we did do that. We did a list of 13 independent films that we loved. Now, our first episode for the new year, for 2024, will be the Best Movies of 2023. And then, after that, we'll be doing, like I said, Days and confused On January 3rd, next Wednesday. Oh, yeah. So Catch you later. We have a lot of bangers coming for you in January. We're super excited to get started to work on 2024. So grateful for you all. We hope you all had a wonderful holiday weekend with your loved ones, with your family, or just with friends. Celebrating, relaxing, chilling, watching movies because that's what we were doing. Oh, yeah. And we'll see you all next time. Catch you later. See you next time. Raiders of the Lost podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.